You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross Vogel, your host, and this is episode 243. I have a really fun guest. I know we're going to have a good conversation. His name is Tommy Mello, and he's the founder of A1 Garage Doors, a $50 million plus home services business with over 360 employees in 17 states. Tommy is a regular contributor to Inc., entrepreneur and other business publications on the topic of entrepreneurship and small business, as well as a sought after podcast, radio and television guest. Welcome, Tommy. So excited to talk to you. I'm excited. I'm here. Thanks for letting me on today. This is going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive right in. So, um, so garage doors is like, you know, by the name, that's a focus, but tell me, you know, with that and beyond what work are you looking to, um, and what impact are you looking to make in the world? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it, it seems kind of cliche garage doors is just what, what, you know, the guy does garage doors, how the hell, you know, hopefully this year we actually end up doing 80 million is what we're forecasted to do. Awesome. Um, you know, but, but I've, created a passion over time for garage doors. It's 40% of your curb appeal. It's uh, the smile of your home. We trademarked that. And, um, you know, it's the only thing on your house that gets 100% return on investment, more than your kitchen, more than your bathrooms. Um, that's That comes from Remodel Magazine four years in a row. So um, I kind of fell into it. I, I've done a lot of stuff. I've got a master's degree in business from University of Arizona. Um, I'm an avid learner. I read a lot of books. And uh, I think while I'm here is to, I always tell people I want to do what I want, when I want, with who I want. But the more that goes on and the more success I have, I find myself becoming more of a philanthropist and helping others accomplish their goals. And um, I'm greedy in a way that I love seeing people win that I'm around. And uh, now I just, I really, really, really want to serve the people around me. And, and right now those are my internal customers, which happen to be the people I work with, which are employees. And uh, it's, there's nothing, it, it, it's contagious. It, it's, it's giving back is so much fun and I enjoy it so much. And I think that's why I'm here is, you know, we're, we're going over a hundred, 400 employees actually. And um, I, I still think we're in the fetal stages. So I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, that gets us going. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Okay. I've got to, uh, I have to ask, cause you use some terminology there that always like uh, kind of makes my ears perk up. Um, are you, have you done EOS entrepreneurial operating system? Yeah, I've done EOS. I've done, you, you name it. Okay. You know, I've worked with, I, I've worked with all those guys that came up with EOS. I've got all the books. Gino. Here. I'm actually walking up to it right now, but I know. Yeah. Gino Wickman. Yeah. Gino Wickman was on my podcast. Mark Winters with Rocket Fuel was yeah, on my yeah. podcast. Yeah. I know all those guys. So I've known Gino since before it was called EOS and I've worked with a lot of his clients actually in the book traction, a lot of, he referred a lot of those clients to me. So, um, yeah, Yeah. exactly. He's right in my area. Um, yeah. And he and Mark were recently on clubhouse with me. We did a room, so that was fun, but yeah, Gino and I go way back. So I I'm a huge fan of EOS. Um, yeah. And I love the passion. You know, this is an area of my passion as well. Having a great culture. Uh, it's so important. And, uh, you know, being in the work that I've done for going on 30 years, I've had business leaders 
ha, uh, share all kinds of different philosophies on culture. Like, oh, that's that manby pamby stuff. And people, you know, why do I have to thank people? They're, you know, I'm giving oh, them a check. And <laughs> I hated it. I was too busy. You know, I had um, uh, the E-Myth Revisited by uh, Michael Gerber. I had yeah. him on my podcast and I actually had him in my building. He's He's getting older now. And the fact is, is I used to really... I got, got started in 2006, 2007. And, you know, I'd come into work and there'd be, and I started from bare bones, man. I was the technician. I was everything. I was working in the business. I was the phone guy. I was the inventory guy. You name it. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. I I paid for my own school. I didn't have a goal, but I didn't inherit any money. I don't have, I didn't have a pot to piss in. I was bouncing checks. My credit score was uh, not doing the greatest in my early, early 20s. I was busting tables at Cheesecake Factory. You know, I was doing everything I could. And I got into the garage door business after getting in the landscaping business. And, uh, you know, culture was a bad word to me. It was like, what do you mean culture? There's four people out here smoking cigarettes. I got my mom to move out in 2010 from Michigan and she was answering phones. She was handling two lines. And I'm like, this is BS. How are you supposed to be focused on culture when, when these, I used to think they were idiots. I was like, these people don't know what they're doing. They're not trying until I learned that I was the problem. The Mm -hmm. owner is most of the time, almost all the time, the issue. Yes. And I love when, uh, you know, a business owner will come to me and say like, fix all this stuff and, you know, we'll coach them and coach them and coach them, but eh, no, I don't need coaching. (laughs) So I always start with, well, I can make somewhat of an impact here, but you know, ultimately you're creating the culture. So there's only so much I can do. There's a great book, The Oz Principle. I bet you've heard of that one too. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah I love that book. Um, it, it just simplifies it and how really, you know, ultimately a leader, they're creating the culture and they either hear that as good news or bad news. <laughs> it sounds like you finally took it as good news, which is great. You, you know, it's the hard knocks. It literally, a lot of people just, they don't want the truth. They don't know how they scapegoat on it. Literally, a lot of people, and I hate to say this, but they're victims, and yeah, they don't want to. They don't want the accountability. And just because you were really good at doing a job doesn't mean you're going to be a good owner. You don't understand culture, recruiting, hiring, orienting. You don't understand what financials are all about. How to analyze a balance sheet. How to look at an income statement. You don't understand exactly how to build better relationships or to become a good leader and to have the things that creates accountability and have a mission, have a vision, have core values. Because you were a good employee does not mean make you a good owner. And it takes time. You see, most people spend 80 hours a week and spend 10 years developing a business. There's a lot of relationships and there's a lot of things you sacrifice. But if you make it and very few people do one out of 10, it's the best, most rewarding thing in your life. So tell me uh, a little bit, like, what are you doing to rock the world of your employees? I love it. All right. Well, (laughs) this is going to be okay. So so first of all, let's just go through a few things first. Um, I think a lot of people, the culture starts with the owner and it is a top down. I know people don't believe in top down, but really I'm leading the dream. I'm leading the vision. So core values, coming up with a good org chart, getting organized. You you know, when people come in here, I met a guy named Al Levy. He wrote a book called The Seven Power Contractor. And um, I had him on my podcast, then he came in and then he actually ended up being my coach for a long time. And he said, show me your manuals. And I said, what manuals? Do you want our our big manual? And it was like dusty. And I showed him and he's like, no. He's like, how do you expect anybody to win when you don't show them how to play the game? And I thought about that a lot. And I said, what do you mean, really? And he said, well, listen, when an employee starts with you, what happens if they get a new tattoo on their neck? Is there anything out there? What happens if their car breaks down? Or what happens? How do they get paid? Or how do they tell their wife 
in, in easy terms, how they're going to make money or show me where their benefit packages is or, or show me exactly what do you consider winning and losing? And so we worked tirelessly through manuals and manuals and manuals. So now I got 40 manuals and it just tells you when I was in middle school, sixth, seventh and eighth grade, I had a really cool gym teacher. His name was Mr. Dolinar. And he taught us how every Friday we learn how to play a new game, whether it was soccer, football, baseball, basketball. We learned what a field goal was. We learned how many points it was worth. And we learned how to play the game. And then he point to the scoreboard and say, this is how you keep track. And that's called a key performance indicator now in business. So KPIs are the scoreboard. The manual is how you play the game. So that's the first and foremost thing I can tell you, as most people miss that piece. The next thing is performance pay. No one here gets tenure. They're not like the instructors I had in my master's program that didn't know anything and never make it in the real world. They Because the teachers that I go to, I want them to come out of the real world and decide they have a passion for teaching, not learning out of a textbook. So that that's the next thing is everybody here, pretty much almost everybody, because I'm on performance pay. If the company doesn't make money, I don't get paid. So I think it's only fair. I was sitting in my office one day, Kristen, and, and it's interesting because we were giving people their their annual, you know, one-on-ones and going over crap with them about how good they're doing and how we appreciate them. And that's all good and dandy. And uh, I had a, a guy call me and he goes, dude, I think I made 2,500 bucks this week. This is like five years, six years ago. And I jumped up for joy. And Adam was in my office. He's my GM. And he goes, why are you so excited? I go, dude, one of our techs made 2,500 this week. And he goes, yeah. He goes, that's a, that, that means we probably made like 10 grand or something. And I go, yeah, exactly. And I said, what are we doing here, Adam? Why are we giving people just tenureized raises? He goes, well, they worked hard and they've been here a long time. They're committed. And I said, but that's BS. I said, show me what they've done to deserve this. I don't mind how much money a person makes. I don't care if they make more than me, but I need to have some type of performance that goes along with it. So now everybody's on a performance pay. And uh, and the big thing is when COVID happened, because COVID, I learned that I'm, I'm a marketer by trade. I went to a school for marketing and I love marketing and I can make the phone ring off the hook. But what I really had to create... Um, and I'm talking too much here, but I'll finish up my thoughts with this last kind of notion is uh, there's there's a guy named Darren Hardy. And a long time ago, he sat down and he took a big piece of paper and he wrote down 100 things he wanted in a woman. He wanted to find the perfect wife. So he wrote down everything about her touch, her scent, her hair color, everything, just her motherly features, everything, 100 things. And he read this sheet and he started going through it and he goes, wait a minute here. I think I got this backwards. He said, I'm not the man that would even even get in front of a woman like this. There's no woman alive. This woman that I'm describing would never fall for a man like me. So he wrote 100 things that he needed to become to get a lady like that. So that story to me said, I needed to write down 100 things that I would need to become as a company to attract the kind of people that I want to work around. And we're in the midst of doing that. And, and I've been doing this for years. And it's a never-ending uh, um, it's a never-ending journey for me. But you know, acknowledging people when they have a child or when their credit score hits 700 or helping them get into homeownership and celebrate their wife's anniversary dates, uh, you know, if it's, or their husband and make sure that they feel like a family and uh, acknowledging the kids on their birthdays, their kids, and, and just doing nice things. You know, I'm a big fan of the five uh, languages of appreciation in the workplace and finding out employees of the month. Ours is a giraffe because uh, they're willing to stick their neck out for the company and they have a big heart. And they're willing to stand tall no matter what they're working on. And um, those kind of things for me are, are you know, we give to charity. We raised 25,000 bottles of water uh, last month for the homeless in Arizona. We're giving 500 jackets uh, to the kids in Michigan. We're working on a cancer thing in, in um cancer awareness program in Milwaukee right now. And I got to tell you, like, we, we, we every single time we get a group of guys that come in here to train, 
we feed, we, we, we pack bags for the, the children. We went and repainted the YMCA. We do um, shop with a cop during Christmas where we go with the police officers and help buy stuff for the kids. And we contribute to that. And you asked me what, what it's like for culture and employees. And I, I don't think I, I can keep going, but that's just the beginning. <laughs> well, that's all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard a leader tell me like, I just role model the behavior. And it's like, eh, it doesn't work like that. You have to communicate it, document it, um, you know, clear, communicate those clear expectations and hold people accountable. Uh, if if you don't hold them accountable, which again, most people want to do a good job, but um, you know, if they're not certain what they're moving towards, uh, how do they know? And I believe that's one of our innate desires. We want to feel like we're doing a good job. But if we haven't been told whether we're doing a good job or what to do to do a good job, then there's just constant uncertainty. And not only are people uncomfortable, your your team is uncomfortable, but if you're letting their them kind of make the rules, they're making business decisions for you. And while some of them might make the decisions based on what's best for the business, not everyone will. So if you want to be empowered within your own business, then yeah, create those, create that documentation, communicate it clearly. And when you're bringing new people in, have some structure to your onboarding too often that on the job, you know, training feels like the best solution and you can do it on the job, but you got to be tracking what they're learning. It can't be completely ad hoc because, you know, you can't tell them how well they're moving through the learning curve if you're not tracking anything. And if it's all on them to just ask, uh, at some point they start feeling really uncomfortable and you don't know what to hold them accountable to because have they learned it or not? You know, who knows? (laughs) So I I love it. Um, Yeah. And I have the sixable steps of great delegation that I've been sharing with leaders for years. You know, the the leaders that come to me and say like, if I want it done, I just need to do it myself. And, uh, you know, they're always missing at least one of the steps. Tweak transformed it. Sick. I got eight. What are your? Oh, okay. What are yours? All right. You ready? I'm ready. So number one, here's what needs to get done. So you got to properly explain in a way that's repeatable. So here's what needs to get done. Here's why it needs to get done. They need to understand the why behind it. Here's what you have available, the resources to get it done. Here's the priority that we're assigning to it. Here's when it needs to get done by. There's got to be a deadline. Here's the meeting before the deadline. And there's several meetings usually to check the progress so you're not a procrastinator. Here's the consequences and the benefits or uh, the good stuff that comes with it. And then there's an opportunity to give feedback as the eighth one. So we finished it. Let's go ahead and evaluate and see what we can do better on the next time we delegate. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I have all those, but I'm obviously missing two, which would be um, I am missing the why, which bad on me, because that is really important. And uh, I am not talking consequences, but and and then the deadline, that one, how many, uh, how many listeners come on, be honest. I know we can't hear you or see you raise your hand, but how often are you saying do this when you get around to it or when you get a chance? Guess what? They're not going to get around to it. They're not going to get a chance. They're super busy and you haven't given any call to action to actually make it happen. So got to make sure, like you said, to have that deadline. I love your list. It's awesome. Um, 
So tell me what experiences, it sounds like you were definitely on a, on a journey to learning this as you went, you know, within your business, running your business. So what were some of the main experiences that motivated you uh, to start transitioning your leadership style and pay attention to the culture? Like I said, when COVID happened, I just thought to myself, man, I had, I had several people waiting outside of my office door and they came in one by one and they said, listen, I'd like to donate all my sick days to somebody that needs them. And some guys took demotions and, and, you know, I, I didn't accept the emotions because we were in a good spot. We had a lot of money in the bank and it, it turns out we're an essential business. We did good through, through the uh, virus, but overall, what I realized is I want a place. There's a good book by Jim Collins called built to last. And it explains that a good leader wants the company to survive when he's not there. Um, I want to be able to leave for two months and the company to run better when I'm not here. So um, leadership is, is, I'm not a great trainer because I don't have a lot of patience, but I'm a really good motivator. And there's a big difference. So it's understanding where you fit. And um, it's really what I've learned to do is hire around my weaknesses. Uh, I'm not really good at organization. So I've got a personal assistant and actually she's got an assistant. So now I have two assistants. Um, it sounds crazy, but when you're growing at the pace I'm growing at and evolve with I'm growing uh, with what I'm doing, I need a perfect Google calendar. I need emails all read through and highlighted. I need things organized in a way that I respond to most emails with a video because I don't have time. I'm so, but every time I hire somebody internally for myself, um, I'm trying to think how, how efficient is this going to make me now? Listen, I don't mow the lawn anymore. I don't, I don't clean the house as much. Um, I'll do things and I don't have any kids yet. I'm getting a little older, but I still plan on having kids and don't get me wrong. Daddy's still going to be there to, to, to fix the toilet when it breaks. But right now, it's because I feel like it's important to be a role model, but I'm, I figured out my hourly rate at the beginning of last year. And I said, I don't think I should be doing anything that is not moving the target that I'm working on forward that I don't enjoy doing. Now, if I enjoyed mowing the lawn and it was my peaceful time and it was tranquility, there's another story. But ultimately, I think building a culture, first, you need to build freedom around yourself because you need to be able to put the time and effort in. So I get a note on my desk every day that says everything I need to do as far as reach out to people. I might be reaching out to somebody that set a record. I might be reaching out to somebody that a personal record, maybe it's a booking rate for a CSR, but acknowledging holidays, uh, you know, anniversary dates or birthdays, there's, there's a lot that needs to be done, but when it's organized and when you learn to be efficient and have goals and delegate properly and figure out how to make things, get the biggest things done that need to be done the most, then you become in charge and empowered of your day. And I think that that's where it starts. And then you can build a culture from there. Yeah. And pay attention. Uh, so this is from the as principle, but I love how simple this is. You build the culture by the moment to moment experiences that your team has with you. And I believe, and this is through working, you know, about, you know, about 30 years with all kinds of different organizations, different sizes, different industries, that there are three innate desires that most humans, I will say, share. And one is they want to feel like they're doing a good job. They want to feel known, acknowledged, and appreciated. And they want to feel like their life is part of something bigger than themselves. And if you can make those three things happen in your organization, that's great. And wait a minute, let's uh, go through those again. Go yeah. Those <laughs> Are you taking notes? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, so the first is they want to feel like they're doing a good job. And mind you, these three, I share these all the time because they're 
they're really the foundation of almost everything I coach around will kind of attach back to one of these. Um, yeah, so they want to feel like they're doing a good job. So as a, for instance, when I talk about uh, onboarding, that's aligned with that. They can't, they're already uncomfortable because they're in a new environment, they're meeting new people, and they're learning a lot of new stuff. Even if they have past experience elsewhere, they're learning internally how your organization handles things. And so you need to give them the feedback and let them know, give them the encouragement that they're moving through that learning curve at a rate that you would anticipate or expect. Um, while they're working for you, if they've been there for a while, they still have that question and don't let it be an unanswered question. How are they doing? Where do they stand? Is there a gap? And that is part of ongoing performance management, letting people know you're doing great. You're doing above and beyond, or here's a gap we've identified, but I'm investing in you and we're going to, we're going to minimize that gap. Yeah, um, pip. I call it a pip. <laughs> yeah. Performance, performance improvement plan. plan. Yeah. 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 But, uh, I, so a lot of times uh, PIPs, uh, performance improvement plans have a negative connotation. And so within your culture, I will say, because uh, a lot of times um, organizations attach those to either discipline or again, performance uh, evaluations versus performance management. So they're at the year end and they're doing the one-time sit down and they're like, oh man, you know, you had all this stuff that you did wrong. <laughs> and so now we're gonna, so usually it's attached to something negative versus I am a huge proponent of if it's currently negative in your organization, well, if you don't have one, get one. And it's just a form where you document the plan. That's it. Um, but, uh, and then the other thing is have it be a positive connotation that it's an investment the organization is gonna make in you. I have identified this gap, but here here's the plan, you know, we're going to, we're going to decrease that gap. Uh, and then the second one, the next one is uh, they want to feel known, acknowledged, and appreciated. So that's the thank you, the stuff you're talking about, like acknowledging birthdays and anniversaries and and all those kinds of things, thanking people for their work. The visual I get if uh, if you are that leader who's telling me, why do I need to thank them? They're getting a paycheck from me. I, the visual I get is all the employees, uh, it's like starving people and there's a few breadcrumbs in the, in the center of the room and everyone's fighting and clawing to get them. Don't let thank yous and appreciation be a lacking resource source, let it be abundant. Uh, if it's lacking and you do finally thank one person, everyone else is thinking, yeah, but what about me? And it's just igniting more friction in your organization. And, and I then, think it needs to happen. At, I just throw this in there. I yeah. think it needs to happen on an individual level. Like I do great with groups and I, I think, yeah. I, but, but the thing is, is I always criticize in private, but I like to praise in public and in private because yeah. it's just a lot of people people need acknowledgement in front of other people, but it's so nice to just say, Hey man, figure I'd give you a quick buzz or Hey, Hey, listen, Lisa, I just wanted to tell you, yeah, I don't get to tell you this very often, but you mean a lot to me when you came on, we were, we were really falling apart in that department. And, um, you know, I'm not the best at these things, but I will say you're doing amazing. And it seemed for me, it was always getting the data to be able to say those things and being reliant on val very good data. So we got to, we got a data accuracy team now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, it does. Yeah. And I always say, make it be authentic. And if you are a leader who feels like, oh shoot, you know, I haven't really been doing that. Um, put it in your calendar and commit to a certain number. I know you're a data person. It sounds like, so like, you know, if you ever feel like you're lacking, put it in your calendar and commit to a certain number per day or per week or per month, and then stick to it because, you know, challenges and problems come at us. We need to react. And so too often I have employees coming to me saying, 
yeah, the only time my leader talks to me is when there's a problem that usually isn't intentional. It's just that, Hey, if things are running smooth and there's things, you know, and you should be appreciating your team, that's not really necessarily on your radar, but then the little thing goes awry and now you got to talk to them. So yeah, be the leader who is being very intentional. And like you were saying, it can be super simple. It's not, you know, you're not buying someone a huge gift every time or anything like that. It can be a thumbs up, a, a high five when we're back working, you know, if we're working in the same location, but yeah, and make it, you know, and pay attention to what they, what people appreciate. Cause some people get embarrassed if it's in public, other people just thrive on that. And so figure out what's meaningful for them. And then always authentically. Yes, for sure. But it can be as simple as thanks for rocking it out in that meeting. Thanks for those comments. Like it doesn't have to be big, huge stuff, but authentic always. Um, and then that third one is they want to feel like their lives are part of something bigger than themselves. And so it's awesome that you are, have such a focus on giving back to the community. Um, you know, and even the garage doors, like that's awesome too. Like people need that there's security in that there's safety in that. Um, uh, you know, the, the look of them, as you were saying, it's what the, the smile, smile the home, baby. <laughs> <laughs> smile the home. So, I mean that directly with garage doors, but on top of that, you're rallying your team around this bigger mission. And so the, the story I always tell about, uh, people wanting to feel like their lives are part of something bigger than themselves is the fact that years ago, a form of war torture was to have the prisoners get up in the morning and move a pile of dirt from one side of a field. And then the next morning they'd get them up and they would move it to the other side of the field. Why is that torture? Cause there's no purpose. Yeah. So they could move that pile of dirt to build an orphanage and same amount of physical exertion, but they're energized at the end of the day because there's they're rallying together. We humans are energized by that. And so um, I always ask, like, are you moving piles of dirt in your organization? Because if you're not having people think about the part that they're playing in the bigger mission of your organization, they might just be moving piles of dirt and you don't want that. You want them thinking bigger and better. And I have um, leaders create, well, work with your team mission-centered job statements, which is nothing formal or legal or anything. It's just a two to three sentence um, synopsis of what you do that's aligned with the mission because everyone is important. I love it. <laughs> I got a I lot out it. of that, you know, and it reminds awesome. me of just, I got this book on my desk. It's called 1501 Ways to Re- Reward Employees and they're low cost and no cost ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and really a couple of million sold, it, it doesn't cost a lot. You're mm-hmm. right. You can say things, you can do things. Um, well, and we humans, whatever becomes, I mean, I'm, I'm holding up my pen. You can't see me and it's just a little plastic. It's pink. I love the pink, but like, there's no high value of this, but within your organization, if you say like, this is an important pen and this is, you know, evidence that, that you're appreciated now it has high value and anything can do, you know, organizations that it's just like someone gets to pick the music in the office. They get to ring a a bell that everyone hears. You know, if everyone knows what it means, uh, it now has value. It doesn't have to have monetary value at all. True. Awesome. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, you know, (laughs) it goes back to the thing of the dream manager that I told you about earlier is, you know, when you can sit down and you can correlate someone's true dreams, maybe it's to learn a second language. You know, in the book, it talks about um, a lot of the people that are involved in, in janitorial services, and certain areas are Hispanic. And, you, you know, they did they, they did all these surveys and they figured out most people, the reason why they didn't keep employees, believe it or not, was because the employees had a hard time getting to the areas. You know, they would have to take public transit and they couldn't get there on time. So they figured out a carpool system. And the next thing they said is we'd love to learn English. And then their kids wanted to learn English and vice versa. And then they wanted to get kids involved with the dreams 
and finding out what their their goals and their future looks like. And then it became contagious. And then there's people were lining up to work there. And it's 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 all of the above. And you know what I what I realized about two years ago was I tilted everything in my favor. I I looked online and I'm so big on Yelp and just Google and and Angie's list and looking at our reviews, I said, well, wait a minute, what does a future employee see? So I looked at Indeed and it was like two stars. Now it's four and a half. I looked at Glassdoor and I really worked on building out those profiles and and really looked at getting employees that are happy to just take the time to do it because it was only crappy employees that that got fired that were leaving reviews. Right. And and so that was the beginning of it. And then I, I had a gal that I'm really good friends with named Vanessa call me up and she goes, hey, Tommy. And she was like real quiet. And I go, hey, what's up? She's like, dude, she's like, we're working on this new stuff. She's like, we're helping out truckers find companies with uh, CDLs, uh, basically drivers for the big semis. And she's like, we're killing it. And I'm like, well, what's the trick? What are you guys doing? And she's like, well, she's like, we got certain software we're using that that basically it sends out text messages. It does, it, it automatically sets up the interview that they do on the phone right up front to where it's, you record yourself asking the questions. So there's a one called Spike Hire. We use a different one called Hireflix. So it's got the software, it does the follow-up and it basically gets people to apply from social media. And then we've got a whole follow-up system that gets on the phone. We find out the non-negotiables. Well, this happened like four or five months ago. And um, I flew them out. And the Vanessa and the guy's name is Joe, but he goes by Jody. They came in and they started working. I mean, diligently, like kicking ass. And I was like, this is genius because where does my avatar live? They live on Instagram. They live on TikTok. They live on Facebook. They don't live on the unemployment line going to places like Indeed and ZipRecruiter. So- yeah, that's fine. And I'm not discounting that, but I wanted to get somebody to come here to find a career and help 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 make their dreams reality. So we started doing it. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, um, they call it rapid hire. And it's like rapidhire.info, I think is the name of their site. But that literally the people that are coming through now are like ridiculously badass. Uh, they're like so amazing. And like you can make an employee attend by working with them a long time and working and making sure. But these guys, they're already coming on and all they got to do is stay at 10. And it's like, I got 22 people graduating on Wednesday from our this month, just out of technicians. And what I love about it is I can sit there and have a long conversation. There's somebody I buy from, there's somebody I want to hang out with, there's somebody I want to go bowling with. And it's just crazy when you learn to find the people in the right spot. You know, I, I just feel like I was looking in all the wrong spots years ago and I was going on Craigslist, which it actually worked decently. But man, I, I literally now, I got to tell you, I feel like I'm stacking the deck and then with the dream manager and then I'm using a thing called send out cards oh, and yeah. mailbox power. And I'm sending thank you, like nice cards to people, like genuine cards and and brownies and, and flowers and doing cool things. And it's, Man, the reaction. I just got to buy my dad a really good trip to Portland uh, because that's where his girlfriend's from. And my dad, he almost died of COVID about a year ago and, and he's back to normal and it scared the crap out of me. So I want to do something nice for him. And I had no idea. They were glowing. Their energy levels were different. Like he was so thankful when I got to see him this weekend and just gave me a big hug and he showed me a hundred pictures and his girlfriend was so happy. And I got to tell you, I'm like, I got it. I want to, I like, I came into work today saying, who else can I do stuff for? That's how good it felt. So it's, it's something that's really special. And I, I'm having fun. That's awesome. No, all your enthusiasm is definitely coming through. I mean, shoot, I'm, I'm listening to you and I have a, I have a son who is a very hard worker and I think I need to point him in your direction. <laughs> yeah. You know, it would be awesome. I, I think he'd learn a lot of values and I, I, 
You should. I'm serious. You know, the one thing um, I don't want to say where he has been working, but um, and well, let me put it this way. He's he's so loyal that he broke his elbow um, and he kept working for 10 days because he didn't want to call in. And he ended up and he broke his right elbow and he was lifting 100 pound. He heave hose up to 100 pound packages where he worked. Uh, uh, um, Amazon, huh? (laughs) No. Oh, but that's all I'm going to say. You can't keep I, guessing because eventually. I, well, there's U-Haul or FedEx. And, you know, my <laughs> uncle used to work for U-Haul and, and had some real big issues too, but I won't guess anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell me, I, you know, you come across as a person who, uh, you know, probably I'm, I, I think you're going to have some good strategies for moving through tough times. Cause I bet you kind of lost through and blaze, you know, not like when we're successful and motivated and high energy and all of that, that we don't have tough, t- tough times, but sometimes we are the kind of people that don't uh, kind of dwell on it a lot, but I'm still going to ask the question. Uh, how do you stay motivated and moving during tough times? Well, it's like you said, uh, I really, I have a tough time with negative people. I have a tough time with, with victims. I have a tough time with people. You know, I, I I was on stage in front of 900 people about a year ago. I, I'm, I'm doing a lot of talks, but this was a pretty big one. And, and I said, I went on stage and I said, I got a story for you guys. I said, well, when I was six and a half years old, I walked out to my mom and sister screaming on the floor. They found a letter from my dad from another woman. He was cheating on my mom and they got a divorce. And um, my mom ended up working three jobs. She was a, uh, a bartender, a server, and a, a really successful realtor. She kept the house. Um, my dad was still around here and there, but 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 few and far between for the time. And um, my grandma had to be around a lot to raise us. And when I was 12, after mowing lawns and shoveling snow for a long time, I finally was able to get a job washing dishes at $4 an hour. And every day after school, I'd walk, you know, that was seventh grade. Um, I'd walk to the sports bar and clean the dishes. And next year I moved up to busboy. And, you know, but then I said, let me tell you another side of that story. First of all, my mom taught me how hard work was. My dad was still my soccer coach, my baseball coach, and went on every field trip with me. My grandma was the best cook ever. My life was the best it could ever be. I got two Christmases and two birthdays. I'm like, you can look at each situation and decide, are you going to win or lose? And I don't look at my life and say, poor me. I say, gosh, I'm glad that happened to me. You know, I I love my mom and dad, and it would be great if they stayed together. But you know what? They built, my mom showed me what love was all about. My dad showed me so much compassion and so much strength and also taught me how to be the most competitive a-hole you'll ever meet. And um, and I'll tell you what, the the, the, the deal is, is dwell on positive or negative and, and, and to make the most out of every situation. Because when the stock market crashes, someone shorted that and won. And when the stock market goes up and it's It's reading between the lines and it's really understanding one thing that you can't, you're going to lose possessions. Things are going to happen in your life. There's stuff that's going to happen, but you're not, you don't have to lose relationships. And if you could dwell more on the relationships and enjoy your life and have fun with the relationships, um, money is a byproduct of just doing good things for people. And so I I don't, you know, I got in a car accident when I was 17 and it was a really bad one. I, I walked out unscathed. And I told my sister that night, I said, I want to go to a movie. She said, oh, my God, what's your what are you thinking? I said, Kia, I said, oh, Kia, like the car, she's six years older. I said, I can't I can't let my brain go there right now. Let's just go to a movie. And I don't I'm not like the kind of guy that like tries to put it out because like even funerals, I, I hate them, but it finally comes through when I'm at them. But I just learned to just kind of there's no need to dwell on that kind of stuff. And so I just do whatever I can to focus on the positives. And I, I told I told them on my morning mojo call today, I have about 100 guys on the call. I said, listen, um, I don't hang around with losers. Losers 
have excuses for everything. They blame everything else on everybody else. If anybody comes up to me today or this week and says one reason why they can't accomplish their goals personally, one reason that they can't start their diet today, one reason why they can't quit, quit drinking, whether alcohol or soda or coffee. If somebody has a goal and they tell me one reason because the holidays are coming up, I'm not going to be happy to say the least. I don't want to hear your excuses. I embrace positive reasons why you're going to succeed. I don't have any reason to hear your victim, you know, the reason you're a victim today. And and that's a long answer, but I just, I just can't deal with it. I'm just too positive. I don't want to be around it. That's good. Yeah. And it, it kind of, you know, earlier I was talking to uh, somebody about gratitude and they were saying that's kind of what they use to uh, move through tough times, you know, focusing on the gratitude. And, you know, we have that choice in every moment. Uh, our brains can focus about on about seven things at once. And which things are you going to choose? The things that are going awry? You know, the illustration I love is like when you're walking in the woods, if you look down, you might see just a bunch of dead kind of rotting leaves and dirt and who knows what else. And you think, wow, I'm not in a very great place. But then you lift your eyes and you see the sun glinting through the, the leaves. And, you know, here in Michigan, they're starting to turn. They're beautiful, all kinds of colors. And uh, that's amazing. And so, you know, you get to you get to find your focus, choose your focus in every moment. And so are you going to, you know, yes, there can be emotions when stuff is happening to us. That's not in our control, but what's in your control and what are you going to do about it? And how are you going to keep a mindset that can keep you moving? So I love that. So I, what? Agree, I agree with you on everything you just said. It's, it's, it's really a perspective, right? It's, it's really, yes. and I, I say that the good, the good employees I have, they blame, they take accountability when they fail. And I just say this BYB baby. BYB, better your best. Listen, you're not going against anybody else but yourself. And my goal is for you. Uh, the, I spend more time with the top staff because I want them to exceed their personal best goals. I find it harder to move the people on the bottom up as fast as move the top even higher. And it's a different mentality. Um, but because I have to force myself to be around the top because I don't go golfing with people that are worse than me. I will for fun, but th that's when I drink a lot of beer. Um, when I when I'm playing somebody that's better, it forces me to be better. When I when I go bowling, when I play darts, whatever I'm doing, I try to find somebody that can beat me because whenever I, I go to the shops once every quarter, a big shop, I, last one I went to was 500 million. And I need to feel the air they breathe. I need to go ask them questions. I need to read the books they're reading. And that's what I do to kind of move to the next level. You are who you surround yourself with. If you had the closest five people up around you, the closest people other than your significant other that you live with, add them up, add all their incomes up. And it's not only about money, but add their incomes up, divide it by five, and you'll be within 20% of their income almost every time. Yep. Yes. Pay attention. Be attentional. Be a person who creates, communicates, and keeps healthy boundaries. Because if you have people who are trying to be in your circle or spend time with you and they're not going to elevate you and energize you, get ready to set those boundaries. You've got to be a boundaries person if you're doing all that. I love these talks because it just kind of sometimes when we talk out loud, it helps us kind of organize things. I'm a big whiteboarder too. I believe uh -huh. I got a whiteboard in my kitchen. I've got a huge one in my office. They're everywhere because so I can't whiteboard enough. But I need to ask what, so um, it's funny because a lot of times people say like, I can't have downtime. I don't want it. You know, I got to keep moving, but we do need that rejuvenation time. And so sometimes I find myself telling clients, like, just call it a cocoon phase, you know, because tons can hap be happening and it just, it doesn't look like much, but so do you, are you a person who is intentional about finding that rejuvenation time and how do you do it? Oh yeah. I had a lazy day yesterday. I'm doing 75 hard right now. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but what's it called? 75 hard. No, I have not heard of that. All right. Let me give you the breakdown. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> 75 days straight. 
there's two workouts, 45 minutes inside, 45 minutes outside. One has to be outside. Um, oh, I have heard intense. of this. Yeah. And then you, one gallon of water, no alcohol. Um, you got to take a picture of yourself's progress. You got to be on some form of diet and you got to read 10 pages out of a written book. That's nonfiction, not, not audible. And it's, it's 75 days in a row. So yesterday I took the dog for an hour, 10 minute walk. Usually we do 45 minutes. And then I came in and I got an office gym here and, and pumped out a little bit, but Sundays are hard because I watched a little bit of football and I watched the men who made America or the men who built America for the, like the 10th time. And so my downtime, I like to go to movies. I like to go just hang out with buddies and shoot pool. And um, I read a lot, a lot, like not as much yeah. as like Warren Buffett. He reads six hours a day, but I enjoy reading a lot. But, mm-hmm. you know, the long walks with the dog is great, but I really don't need, I sleep plenty. Like I get seven, eight hours. I'm not like, uh, you know, I get four hours of sleep every night, all that crap. Um, yeah. I don't want to make my whole life about work, but I enjoy working. That's the problem. Yeah, no, I hear you. Trust me. It's my passion. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on that. So, uh, I, I want to ask though, cause the, the one, um, that I, I must've heard it in a different name. Cause it didn't ring a bell when you said the name of it, but yeah, the, the two workouts and all that stuff. But another one that has kind of been, um, some people say this is a requirement and some people say no, but, um, that you have to spend at least, I think it's five minutes in a cold shower. Yeah. That's the same one. Um, so there's, like, no, I can't do it. that. I don't do the cold <laughs> shower yet. Um, <laughs> um, I like mine like steaming hot. Like I, you probably burn yourself if you took like I love a hot shower, <laughs> and I'm not getting rid of that. But I think if I just what I've learned is what what kind of what is it a um, a toad or a, a frog? You could take the water, put them in cool water, and start to boil it, and they'll yeah. literally die. Um, if you start me with hot water, decently hot, and slowly move it colder, I could take it, but not just jumping straight into it. I just yeah. I don't like that. No. Yeah. You had to move all the way from, from Michigan to get away from the cold. You know what? The thing is, is <laughs> I got to tell you, waking up when it's dark outside and it's gloomy, uh, you know, and look, the, you can't beat the seasons. You can't beat right now. You're right with the leaves coming down, getting ready. It's beautiful. It's like I miss trick or treating and <laughs> it's been a long time, but I miss trick or treating in Michigan. And it, it's amazing there. And I love the four seasons, but winter to me is just in a perfect world. I'll be, Fishing twice a week, golfing twice a week. Um, I'll have a house that I live at six months out of the year. Um, but I, I don't think I could ever not work. Now, working to me, people go, well, what is it that you need all the time about work? I'm like, right now, I'm sitting in my desk, which is an awesome desk with a mate. I got a fireplace right in front of me. I love my office. And I'm on the phone. I'm on a call with you doing a podcast. This is work. This is what they call work, apparently. So right. <laughs> call, call it crazy. Exactly. So I have one more question for you. And uh, you have thrown out so many nuggets and so much motivation and inspiration for those who are listening. But I need to ask, what words of wisdom do you have specifically for others who want to make an impact in the world? Ooh, well, money's a tool, right? So so if you could use money as a tool for you, um, you know, you don't know what money really matters until you're broke. Um, so so I, I do think I'm not one of those guys that say money doesn't matter. You'll be angry with money. Um, but but I think that that having a good work life balance. But there's a good book by um, last name is Thurman. It's called Off Balance on Purpose. One of the things that I've learned is when you're working hard, you might not be going to church as much and seeing your family as much or maybe not personally getting the exercise and attention you need physically. There's no such thing as perfect balance. If anybody tells you that um, they're sadly mistaken because you're always going to be committed and I say this, do whatever you're doing 100% all in. If you're going to spend time with family, put your phone off. Um, I'm not as good at that, but I'm working on it. Shut your phone off, play some board games, do some cool stuff. When, when I moved from Arizona, 
when I was 16 to Arizona, I mean, from Michigan, me and my mom got to, when I got to see my mom, when I go back home, man, that was true quality time. And I think it's important. And when you're at work, have true quality time. Most people, they don't, they don't create systems. They're never the standard operating procedures. I, I just feel like readers are leaders. I'm obsessed with reading. If you saw the bookshelves behind me, and I think you might've seen them earlier, but you know, how to win friends and influence people. Um, I think the best advice I could give is, start to figure out a way to become an avid reader and figure out a way to document your goals and, and build that um, that whole list of things you want to do in your life. I ask people, what are your goals? They're like, well, it's like they've never thought about it. They've never dreamed. They, they, they lost the ability to dream. And my goal is to help people dream again and go visit someone. Get out. Here's the best advice I give at the end of podcast when people ask me. Figure out who the biggest and best is. It could be another industry or something to do with your industry or something you it has to do with you love. Could be a professional golf. Could be anything. And get out of your current state, uh, uh, the United States. Get out of the state that you're in. What you're in Michigan. So leave the state. Spend the whole flight there writing down amazing questions that you want to know. And and walk in and get to see what it's like to see the air smells and tastes different. It, it, the breaths are different. You watch people and they'll answer all your questions. They'll pay it forward and really get yourself out of your comfort zone and just realize if that's what you're trying to do work-wise or maybe spiritual-wise, come to come to uh, you know Sedona and really understand how to get one with yourself. But I just think getting out of your comfort zone because you get used to the same day-to-day. You know, so many people, they go, what month is it? What year is it? And they just... They set these habits and they just get the time flies. They just keep it all a routine. And all of a sudden they wake up and they're 60, 70, 80 years old. And they go, where did the time go? I want to slow time down. And the way you slow time down is you experience a lot of new things all the time. And I think that's the best advice I could give. I don't know if that's what you were looking for, but. um, Oh yeah, no, that's. Absolutely. That's awesome. So I so appreciate you spending so much time. I am, I'm totally energized after talking to you today. And, uh, so if you are a person who is struggling to make your impact and well, one, you know, keep this one on rotation for sure so that you can uh, be inspired and motivated. And then I encourage you to hop into my impact Academy. You can find that by going to my forward slash join. You get a two week free membership and you learn to ignite bold action, motivate your team, power through roadblocks and accountability and integrity, clarify goals and expectations and find tenacious momentum. So uh, I would love to lock arms with you there. So make sure to, uh, to do that. And Uh, if you haven't already check out Tommy Mello, uh, you will find all of his connection information on today's, uh, show notes. You can find those by going to defeatthedrama.com, click on the podcast tab, and then look for episode 243, but you can find him on Instagram. Let's see. He's asked Tommy there, uh, Twitter. He's real Tommy Mello and in LinkedIn, uh, by his name. So, uh, thanks so much, Tommy. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for all the important work that you're doing and for sharing so generously. Thank you for letting me on here. I had a blast today. It's it's gets me pumped up too. So you're great. I got all my notes here. Do a good job. Are you doing a good job? You know and appreciate and you feel like you're getting bigger, uh, serving a bigger purpose. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks again. All right. Get out there, guys. Make your bigger, bolder impact. The world is waiting. Thank you. Thank you.